0: church. Today's scripture reading is from the book of Mark, uh, chapter 1, verses 40 to 45, which is on page 991 of the Pew Bibles. It's Mark, chapter 1, verses 40 to 45. A man with leprosy came to him and begged him on his knees, If you are willing, you can make me clean. Filled with compassion, Jesus reached out his hand and touched the man. I am willing, he said. Be clean. Immediately the leprosy left him and he was cured. Jesus sent him away at once with a strong warning. See that you don't tell this to anyone, but go, show yourself to the priests and offer the sacrifices that Moses commanded for your cleansing as a testimony to them. Instead, he went out and began to talk freely, spreading the news. As a result, Jesus could no longer enter a town openly, but stayed outside in lonely places. Yet the people still came to him from everywhere. This is the word of the Lord.
1: As Ashley mentioned, this week we return to our series on the miracles of Jesus. And what we're doing, especially in this time, is we're considering how these miracles speak to us about who Jesus is about what God is like and about the work that God is continuing to do in our world today. Where the last two miracles, the wedding feast at Cana and the healing of the man blind from birth, were found in John's gospel, we find today's miracle actually in every gospel except for John's, and we'll look especially at the way that it appears in Mark's gospel. The book of Mark, you need to know, begins in media res. That means the actions already Okay, so the first things that happen are Jesus is baptized and declared as God's Son. And then Jesus begins to call all his disciples together, and then there's a litany of miracle stories, all in those first 40 verses of this first chapter of the book of Mark. Before Jesus heals this man with leprosy, he casts out a demon who is heckling him during a sermon, a thing that I hope won't happen today. And then after that, he heals his disciple Peter's mother-in-law of her fever. And it says that very evening, the whole town gathered at the door of the place where Jesus was staying, and they brought the sick and the demon-possessed of all sorts to Jesus to be healed. What Mark is making clear is that Jesus has the power to heal the sick that he has the power to command demons, that Jesus is no ordinary teacher, no ordinary rabbi, that we really ought to pay attention to this book because Jesus is the son of God and he has authority. And so the miracle we'll linger on today is one that Mark, who's already packed so much into the first sentences of his book, Mark also chooses to linger on this story more than linger on it, Mark actually uses this miracle as the pivot point for the rest of his narrative. Having established first who Jesus is, he begins to define more clearly the kind of things that Jesus is going to be doing and why those things would cause him the kinds of trouble that those things cause him in the rest of Mark's book. And so to appreciate what's happening here in this particular story, we need some pieces of context. First, we need to know about the law of Moses, because in Leviticus chapter 13, there's some definitions for leprosy and what happens if a person has it. Leprosy actually has a series of different definitions throughout Leviticus 13 concerning a variety of symptoms involving the skin. And if the priest examined the person and finds that they have a disease that matches one of those descriptions, then that person is considered to have a leprous disease. And the law says that they're to be declared ceremonially unclean. If a person is declared ceremonially unclean, the law says, quote, anyone with such a defiling disease must wear torn clothes, let their hair be unkempt, cover the lower part of their mouth, and cry out, unclean, unclean. As long as they have the disease, they remain unclean. They must live alone. They must live outside the camp. And so to be unclean is to be removed from community, to be isolated so that others are not made unclean as well. Originally, at its best, this was a public health measure, right? That makes sense to us. But see, the problem is that priests usually make pretty poor doctors. And so with the incentive that people would actually have to give a sacrifice or provide a tax to the temple for the priest to re-examine them and perhaps declare them clean now, there's an economic incentive as well for priests to see leprosy everywhere they could possibly see it. So, they see leprosy in every skin disease, in every rash, in every spot. And in addition to this, there's another contextual problem. As we heard Phil talk about just a couple weeks ago, people are often fixated on trying to sort out the reason for suffering. We've all probably asked these questions now and again. Is it my fault? Is it somebody else's fault? Why do I suffer? Why does my family member have this disease? But in the case of leprosy, this was a determined question already. The blame was already thought to be clear. To be leprous was to be smitten by God. There was no question who sinned this man or his parents. It was clear it was this guy's fault. God had smitten him. Any person pronounced leprous declared ritually unclean in this way. It would be seen as a good thing that they're removed from the community, a good thing that they're caused to suffer socially and economically, and religiously, because they deserve it, because they'd done something to deserve it. This was a just and good punishment, people figured. Any further suffering beyond their disease was understood to be justified. So we don't even actually know what disease this man might have. When the Bible says leprosy, it means any number of skin diseases, even beyond what we today would name as leprosy. But we have some kind of picture of the stigma that this man is living with, the kind of judgment which surrounded him, the kind of isolation that he must have felt. Is it then any surprise that the question this man asks is not to be made well? This man doesn't actually ask to be healed. Rather, he asks to be made clean. There are other cases where people have diseases that make them ritually unclean and they're healed by Jesus. And in all of those cases when they ask to be healed they ask to be healed. They ask to be made well and it makes sense. If you're suffering from a bleeding disorder you're less concerned with the ritual purification rites and you're far more concerned with stopping the bleeding. Right? The disease is the concern. But this man doesn't ask to be healed. He asks to be made clean, and we should take note of that. This miracle seems to be about more than just the disease that needs to be healed. This miracle is about how quickly a whole culture is prepared to be done with people just because they're ritually unclean. And it is his purity that this man wants restored, not only his skin. We, you and I, we might not have clear clothes of cleanliness today like the society that we read about in the Gospels did, that might not be our story. But while that's true, I think that the consequences for ritual impurity, I think those consequences remain. We are in the midst of a global health crisis due to this novel coronavirus. And I'm not sure if you've noticed, but I've noticed that with every passing day, there are more and more news articles about anti-Chinese sentiment and xenophobia as if those whose ancestry is rooted in the place where this virus first occurred are somehow responsible for it. We live in a world where only 50 years ago, the AIDS epidemic was far too often thought to be God's judgment and punishment against the gay community. We still come up with these kinds of reasons. In our world today, we see those who struggle with mental health become street-involved, and imprisoned, and we chalk it up to just an inability to care for themselves. We live in a world where the poor cannot earn a living wage, and we call them lazy. We might see somebody sleeping on the grounds of our church and figure that they're a drug addict, and so they deserve the place where they are, that their current situation is the result of their sins. But I wonder, so what if they do struggle with addiction? Why should that temptation cause such suffering while a sin that you or I might struggle with doesn't? No, far from being just, far from being compassionate, we simply continue to seek out patterns to explain our suffering, continue to long to assign blame, and we're all too happy if we can say a person or a group suffers because of their own doing, and then we can ignore them, We can mistreat them. We can harm them for it. Friends, I think that we perhaps are not too different from a world that requires the leprous to live outside of their town, far from their community. We also tend to encourage people to give up the important religious and social patterns of life and simply accept that they are lesser than They are perpetually unclean. They are deservingly ostracized. They are justly suffering. We, too, inhabit systems and mindsets which demand the impossible from others, command the diseased and the poor and the struggling to make themselves well. And when they're unable to do so, we wash our hands of them. We seek to save ourselves. To preserve our right standing in the community which if we're not careful will judge us and write us off just as quickly if you are willing you can make me clean the man who possibly only has a rash says to jesus if you are willing you can give me dignity if you are willing you can give me purpose and belonging again if you are willing I can be human. Jesus was indignant. You might have noticed that discrepancy between what Kia read and what was on the slide, and that's because of difficulty translating sometimes. Because in the Gospel of Mark and ancient manuscripts, there are two different words used at different times in different manuscripts for whatever Jesus was feeling. One word means moved with compassion, and that's the word that definitely appears in Matthew and Luke's Gospels. There's no... Ambiguity about that. But sometimes scribes, they got lazy and they remembered a story and they wrote down the words they remembered from the story in another place. And so sometimes that word appears in a manuscript from Mark's Gospel. But sometimes another word appears, a word that doesn't appear in other manuscripts, a word that likely was the original word. And so most modern translations use this other word Jesus was indignant, Jesus was angry. Jesus was upset. Jesus was indignant perhaps because this thought of his being unwilling was repulsive to him. Jesus was indignant perhaps because of the religious hypocrisy which declared a person unclean but could not restore them. Jesus is angry about a world where any person can be so blamed for their own suffering, so completely dismissed by their community, where suffering can be compounded by the heartlessness of one's neighbors, even the heartlessness of one's religious community. Indignant, Jesus reached out his hand and touched. Before healing, before a word, a touch. A touch that, mind you, would have added Jesus to the list of virtually unclean people a touch which shows his indignation at a system which sidelines the needs of this beloved child of God for far too long. Jesus touches the man who longs to be made clean more than he longs for his own healing. Because what this man's seeking is bigger than healing. It's bigger than health. What this man is seeking is wholeness. And Jesus provides it in the simple action. And he says, I am willing. Be clean. This is what Jesus's life and ministry is about. It's not just about wine at a wedding. It's not just about sight for the blind. It's not just about eradicating leprosy, though each of these miracles we've looked at are marvelous things in themselves. The reality is that not every leper in Israel was cured nor was every blind person healed, and probably some weddings still ran out of wine. These miracles of Jesus are signs that the work of God is being done in our world, and they point us toward what God's kingdom is meant to be like. Better than just that there will be wine, rather than that there will be good wine, and there won't be any shame. Better than just that there won't be any leprosy, but that there should be no more cause to exclude any people from the community of God's people who desire to be in it. Jesus was willing to make him clean, and more than willing to make him clean, he was willing to take his place. You see, just before this passage, Jesus was moving about freely. He was going into and out of towns that were nearby. At his will, And when he tells the cleansed man to go, he warns him not to tell others. But the man, overjoyed at the tremendous news that he was restored to community, made clean by Jesus, allowed once more to enter places that maybe he hadn't been in years, he just can't help himself. And so he spreads the news freely, and the end result of that, Mark says, the cause and effect is that Jesus can no longer enter towns openly. There was a man who could not enter towns because he was unclean. And then the man who healed him cannot enter towns because he healed him. Jesus takes this man's place. Now outside of the community, now remaining in lonely places, Mark's gospel says. Jesus trades places with a man who once had leprosy and chooses to risk not only the consequences of the touch, of the consequences of the news spreading and he doesn't even react to this turn of events it was a risk he took but he couldn't ignore the needs of the man who was standing in front of him he couldn't allow a system which for too long had undermined the value and identity of a man made in god's image to go unchallenged what i hope that you're seeing is that this miracle is not simply about a man that was healed This miracle is about a man who was restored. That when every social and religious system of the day was dead set against this man ever returning to community, Jesus was willing to confront those systems, willing to be angry and upset by them, willing to do something to interrupt their harmful ways. Jesus was willing even when it meant that his ministry would be more difficult, As Mark unfolds, Jesus not only avoids entering towns openly, but he finds himself consistently in conflict with the very people who really rather like this system of ritual cleanliness that here Jesus corrects as he cleanses a man who desired wholeness more than anything else. Friends, it's not only the place of a man with leprosy that Jesus was willing to take. In his death, we see how Jesus is willing to take the place of every person who was ever targeted or attacked, ostracized and excluded, called unclean, mocked, made to feel lesser than, said to be cursed by God. Jesus enters that place of great sorrow and scorn in order that the very systems which pulled this man with leprosy out of community, the very systems which led Jesus to the cross, might be disarmed for all people and all time, that all might be made whole, that there would be a place in God's community for everybody who ever felt like maybe there wasn't a place for them at all. Jesus is still indignant when some are made to feel that this is not the case. Jesus is indignant when still others come begging on their knees saying, if you are willing, I can belong indignant because the death throes of an oppressive system that tries to delineate between who's in and who's out, that tries to control entry into God's great feast, that promises flourishing life but only for us and people who are like us, the death throes of that awful and evil system are continuing to harm people to this very day, continuing to harm the people for whom God's heart has always been stirred continuing to create lonely and oppressed and marginalized people of all sorts, when the story of God's good kingdom is one of deep community, of valleys that are raised up, of life to the full. And so this miracle, I think, offers us two invitations. The first is simply to know that Jesus is willing. Jesus is willing to meet the needs that you have. Jesus is willing to make sure that you belong, that you are restored, that you are seen as whole, that you know that you are loved. This is the heart of the gospel of Jesus Christ, that you and I and people who we could have never imagined have a place at the table, have a father who loves us, have a brother who died for us, that the only person who was ever in a place to condemn us is advocating for us even now, that no power, no illness, no sin, nothing in all creation can separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord because he is willing to make us whole, willing to restore us, willing to make another place setting for whoever asks. You are invited to ask for wholeness from your God and to know that he is willing. The second invitation that this miracle offers to us is to be the body of Christ in the world to be indignant by those same systems which seek to alienate the suffering to blame others for their misfortunes to exclude and isolate anybody from the community that God has called them to we like Jesus can choose to be indignant at the hypocrisy which remains per- pervasive in our world we can choose to be indignant at the suggestion that we would maybe choose not to love choose not to accept and make room for, choose not to make whole. As Jesus' body on earth, the church is invited again and again to voice the very indignation of Christ our Master, to proclaim Jesus' willingness to bring many others into his community, to extend the hand of Christ to the lost and to the lonely and to the suffering and to offer his restoring touch. Brothers and sisters, if Jesus is willing and if you and I have experienced that willingness of Jesus for ourselves, then we really ought to be willing to. Willing insofar as we are able to offer healing and wholeness and community even to the ones who we've never thought could be included. Belonging even to the ones for no, who for no other reason other than Jesus could ever belong. We should be willing to share the pain, even to take the place of scorn of another person so that they might know the good and restoring wholeness that we have known in Jesus, so that they might be able to share that good news joyfully and freely to everyone who they meet. Church, may we remember the good news of Christ's kingdom, that he is willing to make a place for us all, And may we trust that good news in our most isolating moments and share that good news as we respond to the needs of many others so that in our lives and by our prayers that kingdom of belonging and justice might come. In the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Would you pray with me? Jesus, what incredibly good news that you are willing. And so we pray that you might help us to know that first for ourselves. Know that you are willing to forgive, you are willing to draw close to, you are willing to restore. That there's nothing in our lives, no no disease or sin or sickness that can stop you from being willing to bring us home again. And then from that place of deep knowledge in who you are, we pray that you would cause us to be willing as well. That we would be willing to show your amazing grace to so many others. People even who we would have never thought possible. People who perhaps we have participated in excluding and harming in blaming for their suffering. We pray that you would change our hearts and make us the willing disciples of you that we long to be. We ask this in your name, Jesus. Amen. We continue in worship by offering tithes and offerings.